this morning, y'all. Oh, God is awesome. Um, let's let's go to let's turn to Daniel ten. I should have asked you. We should have seen who knew what chapter we were on this week. What happened last week? Anyone want to throw out a thing or two that happened in Daniel chapter nine? So I'm not the only one talking. This is when the preacher gets up and says, what did we talk about last week? And everyone goes, holy smokes, I have no idea. <laughs> then I go, why am I even up here? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm playing with y'all. Uh, what, what happened to Daniel chapter 9? Mm. Gabriel came to Daniel. Yep, absolutely. That was awesome. <laughs> Daniel was scared, yeah. Why was he scared? Yeah, so Daniel, I mean, we saw, it through, so in Daniel chapter 9, and I just like to do this so that we can have context for Daniel chapter 10. It was in the first year of Darius the Mede, right? He has this, um, he's seeking understanding is what Daniel's doing. He's seeking understanding, so he wants to understand the time in which he lives. And when Daniel's doing that, to seek understanding, what I love, and I said this last week, but what I love about Daniel is Daniel goes to the word, he goes to Jeremiah the prophet. And as he's reading Jeremiah the prophet, he doesn't just read it academically. He gets to praying and fasting and seeking God. Help me to understand the times. And I just love Daniel's passion for the people of God and for the Lord. Like, you can, sit, you can tell that this means the world to him. Like, this is what it's all about. Like, he's like, God, I've got to understand. I've got to understand. And then as he get, begins to get understanding, yeah, he's frightened because of all the crazy things that are taking place, right? Man, when he begins to get understanding, when Gabriel comes to him, and it goes into the 70th week of Daniel and the Messiah coming and all these different things. But now we go over to Daniel chapter 10, and we see Daniel with the same heart, the same love for the people of God. I mean, last week I said, like, Daniel wasn't, I mean, he was exiled when he was a kid. It wasn't even his fault. And he's identifying with the people and saying, God, we repent, Lord God, you're in the right, we're in the wrong, God, God, Lord, bring restoration, all these things. And he could have been pointing his finger, blaming his daddy and his granddaddy and all these people, and he chooses not to do that. And here, we open up Daniel chapter 10, and his heart is still so tied to the people of God. It's just so passionate. I love it. So chapter 10, verse 1, in the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel who was named Belteshazzar. So the 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 book of Daniel flows so well together, right? We keep going back and I'll keep saying things. Remember the statue, remember the Babylon, the head of gold, remember the arms, the silver, right? Medo-Persia, remember the bear raised up on one side and all these things. Guess what? We heard Darius the Mede, now we hear Cyrus the Persian, right? The next in line after Babylon went, the Medo-Persians came in. So this is King Cyrus. We can also go back if you want to, and I'll mention it a little bit, but this would be really good to read some Ezra as you're reading this so that we can have context for what's going on in this passage. I'll get to that here in a minute. But so King Cyrus, uh, in the third year King Cyrus of Persia, it says in verse 2, or maybe in the middle of, no, it's still in verse 1, the message was true. And was, brought, and, brought, and was brought about a great conflict. He understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. So Daniel, again, here he goes again. He receives a message. He receives a vision. He receives his message here. But what's a little bit different about this is 
for the last several times, Daniel hasn't understood, right? He's like, I don't know. That's why I'm praying and fasting. That's why I'm trying to seek understanding. For the first time in a while, it says Daniel actually understood what was going on. Verse 2 says, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three full weeks. So what happens during this time of mourning, Daniel has? It says, I didn't eat any rich food, no meat or wine entered my mouth, and I didn't put any oil on my body until the three weeks were over. So this is, you know, where people get like the Daniel fast or whatever, right? So Daniel, he doesn't go into not eating at all. But he doesn't eat anything like delicacies. He doesn't eat anything fancy. I mean, some of us would have a tough time not eating meat for three weeks. What do you think? I've tried. I've done it. It's harder than you think if you are a meat eater. If you're not, I guess it's really easy. Um, but also, he's not putting on oil, no lotion. He's probably a little stanky. Like, I mean, he's, just go- he's going into mourning. This is what they did, right? I mean, whenever you would go into, sack- into mourning, oftentimes you would put sackcloth and ashes. One cool thing about this, though, is as I read through Scripture, it's interesting that there's so many different types of fast and so many different ways people begin to fast. You can't just say, this is what it looks like. Um, an, an Islamic friend uh, had asked somebody and said, what is biblical fasting, what does your Christian fasting look like? He's like, <laughs> well, it's a lot of different things. That's, a, that's like a long, that's a whole long drawn out because there's so many different things. But Daniel goes into mourning. And so what is happening while Daniel's doing this in history? If you go back to Ezra, you get to see that whenever King Cyrus the Persian came into his kingship and defeated Babylon, what does he actually do in the very beginning of Ezra? Do you all remember? Anyone remember? He lets them go home. He makes a proclamation and says, if you want, so all the 70 years, Daniel's crying out, God, how long will you be in exile? He finds out from the prophet Jeremiah, it's going to be 70 years. Now we're in the season, in the time where the 70 years is up. So it's over. And Cyrus says, if you want to go rebuild the temple, go back and rebuild the temple. So for whatever reason, Daniel stays in a Babylon. Maybe he's, just an old, he's, a, he's a pretty old man at this point in time. Maybe he wanted to do that. Maybe God told him to stay there and continue to influence whatever. But what happens as they go back to Jerusalem, y'all, is that there are people that absolutely don't like what they're doing, right? So imagine the Jewish people, like everything revolved around temple, right? The presence of God revolved around temple. Sacrifice revolved around temple, right? The atoning for sins, all this revolved around the temple. So for 70 years, they haven't had this. And finally, just think of like the joy. I mean, people would, I'm 37. I would have, if I would have gone off to exile, I would have never experienced what temple was like, you know, in my whole life. They're finally able, they can go back and they can rebuild this. And they're all excited, except for their enemies are doing everything they can to frustrate and to stop them from doing this because they don't like that they're doing this. That's the context in which we're going to see this heavenly spiritual battle take place with Daniel, okay? Why was Daniel, Daniel was mourning, I mean mourning, going into mourning for these 21 days, he's trying to seek understanding, but there's, all, there's this spiritual battle that's taking place, and this is such a good chapter to kind of peel behind and see the spiritual realm, and see things that take place that oftentimes maybe we're unaware, or we'd rather not think about, <laughs> but we have to and we'll talk about it. We have to engage. We have to engage if we want to see cities changed. We have to engage in the spiritual warfare if we want to see um, our nation and the nations come to the Lord and give him the worship that he deserves. So for two, I mean, for three weeks, excuse me, Daniel is 
praying and fasting and all those things are happening. This, while this is happening, there's all this battle going on as they're rebuilding the temple and people are trying to frustrate their plans. Verse 4 says, On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris. So Daniel's standing by the Tigris River. He says, I looked up and there was a man dressed in linen with a belt of gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl. His face was like the brilliance of lightning. His eyes like flaming torches. His arms and his feet like the gleam of polished bronze and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. So this is a very powerful moment, okay? Some people believe that this was Christ. Uh, I would lean towards it's not because of the things that are going to happen here in a little bit, unless, they're become, uh, unless another person shows up. <clears throat> but he ends up, this person ends up being in conflict with the Prince of Persia for 21 days and then needs Michael's help. So I have a hard time believing that, that, was, that Jesus needed that. But maybe I'm wrong. It's still a very amazing, we can know for sure that this is a, a, an angelic, some type of a heavenly being. And it's being is glorious. Only I, verse, verse 7, only I, Daniel, saw the vision. The men who were with me did not see it, but a great terror fell on them and they ran and hid. So like this actually kind of reminds me of Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul's walking, Jesus encounters him. They're like speechless. They don't know what to do, but they don't see what's going on, right? And this is an interesting picture, y'all, because this shows us, again, a peek into the spiritual realm. Like God had given Daniel a peek into this and was able to see this being, and yet everyone else, though they didn't see it, they felt this presence. It scared them. It terrified them. They ran. You know, and that, that just makes me think, like, we have to recognize, and this is not to scare anyone, there's really things going on, you know. Sometimes, sometimes whenever someone goes, man, I felt like there was someone there. Could have been, right? I'm not saying it is. It could be in your head. In your head. All the 90s kids are like, in your head. <laughs> Sorry. But... Seriously, it's, this is real stuff. It's real stuff. So Daniel gets to see this crazy vision. They're, they've run and hid because they're scared because they sense this presence, this something. They don't know why, but they're terrified and they run and hide. Again, there's spiritual things taking place. The spiritual and the physical are intertwined and they intersect, right? There's not like this. What happens in the spiritual affects the physical and what happens in the physical and what we're saying and stuff can affect the spiritual. We see this tied in together here. Verse 8 says, I was left alone looking at this great vision. No strength was left in me. My face grew deathly pale, and I was powerless. Think about that. Like, put yourself there with Daniel, right? You have no strength in you. Your face is deathly pale because of what you're seeing. You're completely powerless. He says, I heard the words he said, and when I heard them, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Like, just collapses (laughs) in his face to the ground. Suddenly... A hand touched me and set me shaking on my hands and knees. So he's face down. So basically he is so weak, he gets kind of empowered by this being. But like he's still shaking with his hands and knees on the ground. Like he's barely getting on his hands and knees. It's how powerful this moment is, this encounter. And he says something that I'm sure Daniel loved to hear. (laughs) He said to me, Daniel, you're a man treasured by God. You're coveted by God. That's what that set means. Like, can you imagine, like, 
Daniel going through all these things, crying out for the people of God, spending time in prayer and fasting, and finally hearing that, that confirmation, Daniel, you are treasured, you're coveted. But I love that it's in the context of Daniel being knitted with God's people and Daniel seeking understanding from God. Like God values, like Daniel, we've already said, Daniel is high, has been high in the kingdom. Daniel has a lot of work to do. Daniel has a lot on his plate. You know, I've said this before, sometimes we make, I feel like we make excuses. I'm just too busy to do these things. No, Daniel was busier than all of us. And yet he found time to seek God for understanding and to have his heart knitted with God's people. And in that context, he's like, Daniel, you're treasured. You care about God. You care about the people of God. And then he says in the middle of that verse, I think it's up in the middle, understand the words that I am saying to you. Stand on your feet, for I have now been sent to you. And he, excuse me, after he said this, I stood trembling. So Daniel can finally at this moment get on his feet. But as he's on his feet, he's trembling. He's, this is just powerful. Then he's told in verse 12, don't be afraid, Daniel, he said to me, for from the first day that you purposed to understand and humble yourself before your God, your prayers were heard. So what did Daniel seek to do? Like two things it says, it's so powerful. That first, he does say, and we're talking about this in a second, that, that God heard you, Daniel, but what was, what was Daniel doing? He purposed to do what? To seek understanding and to humble himself before God. And I have been wrecked the last couple weeks <laughs> with thinking of the way Daniel approached getting an understanding from God and the word of God. And I've been wrecked because God is speaking to me saying, John, it's time to, when you get into the word, I want you to get in there with more prayer and fasting. I want you to get into the word with that humility, coming before Lord, coming before me, and just spending days, times, and fasting as you seek and you read the word. Because... It says, you sought, you sought to understand, you sought so with humility, all right? And he said, because of that, your prayers were heard. The reason Daniel's prayers were heard was because he sought the Lord with understanding and he sought God with humility. He was seeking God. And then it says, I have come because of your prayers. Meaning, Daniel would not have the understanding if he hadn't been humbly seeking the God in God and fasting. He wouldn't have gained this revelation, this understanding of what's going on if he hadn't been mourning in sackcloth and ashes and seeking God. It was because he was doing that that he received revelation. Man, that's been, that's been so huge for me. And then on top of that, we recognize that for 21 days, Dale doesn't realize, but his prayer's been heard. <laughs> Sometimes we don't recognize that our prayer's heard. But one of the reasons that Daniel... Well, why is the reason he's fasting and praying for 21 days and it takes 21 days? Let's just read it in the Word real quick. Verse 13 says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, right, this is, so Cyrus the Persian, so the Persians and the Medes are in control, but there is a spiritual prince, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. So this angelic being is being in this spiritual battle for 21 days. Some people say this isn't a spiritual battle. I just believe it absolutely is. Um, For 21 days, then Michael, one of the chief princes, so we know that Michael is absolutely an an angel, he came to help me after I had been there with the kings of Persia. So he's saying, Daniel, you may not realize it, but as you're mourning and you're fasting and you're praying and you're seeking God, there is a spiritual battle that's been engaged. 
And Daniel, I wouldn't even be coming here if you hadn't engaged in it. That's what he says. I wouldn't be here right now. And so with the temple being rebuilt, all these things taking place, we can see, I can just see this, this intertwinedness of the spirit and the, and the physical realm, that what we pray matters, right? That when God calls us into prayer and to calls us into fasting and we do that, it changes things. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's easy. Y'all ever feel like, God, oh, Lord, is my prayer doing anything? Mike, we've had those conversations, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes, it does. And I love how Daniel is persistent in it too. He doesn't just give up after day one, doesn't go into day two, day three, and go, ah, you know what? I'm not sure if things happen, I'm going to quit. But he's persistent. And as it's happening, it's engaging. The spiritual, the spiritual war is, is, is actually taking place. And that spiritual war affects the physical realm. They were able to rebuild the temple, by the way. There was a lot more challenges that they had along the road, but it actually took place. And then he says in verse uh, 14, Now I have come to help you understand what will happen to your people in the last days, for this vision refers to those days. So we're not going to get into the vision today. That'll be next week. We're close to done with the book of Daniel. But he says, I'm going to give you an understanding of what will happen in the last days or the latter days. And oftentimes, that refers to the end of time itself. Um, I believe that this vision starts in history, Daniel's future, our history, and ends in, at the end of time because it begins to talk about the resurrection of the dead and everlasting punishment and stuff. That takes place at the end in Daniel chapter 12. Some people will argue with that, but that's, that's what I believe that he's saying. Listen, this is, gonna, this, this is referring to the latter days. It doesn't mean that it doesn't start in history, but it does and, and ends up at the end of time. And he says, while I was saying these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was speechless. So Daniel still just can't quite get a hold of himself <laughs> during this whole thing. He's speechless. He's falling on the ground, deathly pale. All these things are taking place. And suddenly one like human likeness touched my lips. I opened my mouth and said to the one standing in front of me, my Lord, because of the vision, anguish overwhelms me and I am powerless. Like, he is in anguish, and he's completely powerless because of what's taking place. How can someone, and then you just sense, all through the book of Daniel, Daniel's humility. Daniel was a humble man. He says, how can someone like me, your servant, speak with someone like you, my Lord? Like, how can I even do this? This is such a, a glorious being that he's speaking to. How can I even do this? Now I have no strength, and there is no breath in me. <laughs> which is crazy. Then one with a human appearance touched me again, strengthened me. He said, don't be afraid, you who are treasured by God. He reiterates what he said before, Daniel. You, well, you know what you're going through? God, you are, you are treasured by God. You need to know that. You need to know that right now, Daniel. You sense this spiritual struggle, you, this battle. You know that your people are trying to rebuild the temple. You know all these things are taking place, but I want you to know that you're on the right path. You're on the right path, Daniel. You're treasured, Okay. Uh, oh, I love that. Don't be afraid. You are treasured by God. Peace to you and be strong. And as he spoke, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak. You have strengthened me. He said, do you know why I've come to you? I must return at once to fight against the prince of Persia. So he's like, he comes to him. He says, because of your prayers, I've come to you, but I got to go back. The battle's not over. <laughs> The fighting's not going to end. Isn't, isn't it interesting to just look at all this? 
Like some, so it, it, when it comes to spiritual things, like sometimes the church, we just don't know what to do with it, so we just kind of put it over here and go, Let's, I'd rather not talk about demons. I'd rather not talk about angels. I'd rather not talk about this stuff because that's some freaky stuff and I don't really understand it. And I think that's really a bad approach. Of course, on the other side, we can get into some really weird stuff uh, that I've, and I've been a part of plenty, plenty of people that get into some stuff and I'm like, really? Is that, is that really from the Lord? Is that in the Bible? <laughs> but there's a, there's a healthy place where we recognize that, like literally, like if we could peel back uh, d- the dimension, a curtain, there, there's spiritual beings, there's spiritual things that are taking place. You know what I mean? So like whenever, but oftentimes because we're so accustomed to the flesh, we are, that we don't recognize that what's taking place in the spirit affects the flesh. What's taking place in the flesh can af- affect the spirit. So whenever we have things defensively, when we have things come into our lives, we're having a lot of marriage problems or, you know, we just had COVID. A lot of husbands and wife have been together a lot lately. Man, we've been together. It's been even wonder, more wonderful than before, babe. Amazing, she says. We've ne- we never argued the whole year, never once. That's a lie so that people understand, just to let you guys know. You got to be real with people, man. People think that it's everything's bliss. But um, every day is bliss with you, baby. Um, <laughs> woo! But when we're having these struggles and stuff, we don't recognize there may be spiritual forces back, like, trying to get in and, and whisper in my ear or, you know, whatever, entice me to do things that I shouldn't do, entice me to anger, you know, entice me to bitterness and all these different things like that, you know. Um, we can just go to, you hear, you know, it could be sickness, it could be a job situation, it could be whatever. And oftentimes our first and only response is, how can I solve this in the flesh, right? Like that's the thing. It's not that like some of these things are, can be good, but it's like that's my first and only response rather than recognizing and asking the Lord and seeking, oh God, what's going on? Is there something spiritual that's taking place here? I need to go to my prayer closet. Maybe I need to, I'm just going to spend some days in fasting right now and seek an understanding for what my situation is in my life. That's the defensive mode, which is good, but we also need to talk about offensive mode and if our goal is to go spread this kingdom of God and go to make disciples of all nations, you ask John King, we better get into some spiritual warfare, into some spiritual fighting. I mean, I've been talking to, I've talked to David Watson and my, you know, I've got a lot lately, or not a lot lately, but several times lately. And, and his thing is, is man, if you want to go make disciples, you better have a prayer team of thousands. <laughs> like you better get that prayer team. And he, you know, he's helped his, the movements have planted over 200,000 churches. But like the number one thing is you better get to praying because this does not happen unless you are praying and you are serious about prayer. So if we care about our city, if we care about our nation and we're not serious about prayer, we don't really care about them. We just, eh, it'd be nice if something changed. Like we've got to become people that are serious about prayer, prayer and fasting and recognizing there are princes over regions. There are spiritual forces over neighborhoods over bars, over, you know what I mean? Over our gyms even that we don't, may not even be aware of. And if we don't engage them, then nothing's going to change. We have to go, we have to gauge them in the spiritual and in the physical. And again, we can't, other side of it, sometimes we can pray, pray, pray. And we never go out. <laughs> we got to do both. <laughs> We've got to pray, pray, pray. And as we go out, we begin to engage people. And if, whew, We've met some people recently we think may have some demons and all kinds of stuff, you know. I mean, we've been wrestling with that, Justin, like, you know. But we've got to engage them. Like, we can't just sit back and just from my prayer closet not say anything. Like, all right, hey, guy, I think you might have something going on. And if we got to bust those babies out, 
we got to do that. Mm. So he says he's going back. And then he says, when I leave, the prince of Greece will come, which we know that we've been seeing all over that Greece is going to come. It's interesting that this is spiritual, that we could recognize that behind kings and kingdoms and empires, there are spiritual forces at play. There is a prince of Persia. There's a prince of Greece that's going to come. And the way I look at it, it looks like <laughs> uh, there's probably be some more spiritual warfare whenever that takes place. But when he leaves, he says the prince of Greece will come. However, I tell you what is recorded in the book of truth. No one has courage to support me against those princes except Michael, your prince. Isn't that an interesting statement? Like, I'm in this spiritual battle. No one has the courage except for Michael. I wish I could tell you some great insight to that. I don't, I don't have a great insight except for I've just been thinking and pondering on what that, that's interesting. All these angelic beings, all these different forces, and, he, and this person saying there's no one except for Michael. And then I'll read the first two verses because I just like the way it splits up before we go next year, next year, next week. Uh, in the first year of, of Darius the Mede, I stood up and strengthened to protect him. Now I would tell you the truth. So now he begins to prepare them, Daniel, for seeking understanding, right? So, this is one of the best chapters when it comes to spiritual warfare and thinking through. You know, Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against the rulers. Against, I know we've heard this a thousand times, but in this context, let's think about that. Against the rulers, right? Against the powers, against the cosmic powers. Hold up. Against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of evil in the heavenly places, right? I think I messed that up. Spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Um, so we understand that even Paul recognizes that there are authorities, <laughs> that there's spiritual authorities, that there's cosmic powers, that there's all these things that are taking place. And he's, he's telling us, listen, you're not wrestling against in the flesh. What you don't realize is you're really wrestling against these spiritual powers and these spiritual things that are taking place. Isn't that interesting? And so, I mean, I call the call today and my call that God is just really speaking to my heart is it's time to engage like never before. Like, I don't want to just be on the defense. I'm going on the offense. Like, it's time to go. It's time to, to, to go and to, to reach these neighborhoods. You want to reach hookah bars and these things that we're going to. Yes, we go to hookah bars, and it's okay. Some great things are happening. It's been cool, by the way. The, the, this last week we went, and the owner had, they have an Indian wedding for three days, and he was told by some of his dad or something, you know what, you just need to close it up tonight because you just are so busy. Just close, close, this, close it up early. And he said, but I told him, no, my boys are coming. And I was just like, that's so cool, man. I like almost want to cry because like sometimes I'm like, is anything happening, God? <laughs> like we're going and we're just trying to engage these people and get to know these people. And sometimes things happen and sometimes things because we're just trying to build relationships, Disciple making is done relationally. There's just no doubt about it. I've learned that through blood, sweat, and tears and through mistake after mistake after mistake. That we are going, we are dedicated to go and just to hear that and then to be like, he was just like, and guys, you know what? Whatever you want to drink, just go behind the um, counter and just get it yourself. I trust you guys, you can pay for it, whatever. Like to have those types of relationships is just amazing. But I'm recognizing there is a spiritual war going on. That's going on as I'm doing this. So I'm not just going in, and God's opening my eyes to that. I'm not just going to keep going in, just kind of going in and, and just, yeah, hey, what's going on? And not thinking through, like praying for them, praying for their family, praying that if there's any evil forces, that look, they will be gone, and recognizing that we are the light of God, that the kingdom of God is coming, and engaging other people to help. So pray for us, all right? Pray for Smoking Balls Hookah Bar. Let's tell you, that's the name of it. 
They play pool and they smoke hookah. So that's what it's called. Pray for the Indian people in Murfreesboro. We got a chance to, the owner of that knows the owner of Clay Pitt. And so, you know, Ben and I are going over there. Pray for these people. Like, let's pray, let's engage, and let's see change. Mm. Lord, 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 Lord. You are incredible. And God, I thank you so much for showing us in this passage what it looks like behind the curtain, Lord. And Father, it takes faith to pray and to be like Daniel and to continue to cry out, God. And though he didn't see, for the 21 days, it doesn't say that he saw anything behind the curtain, but he continued to do it. And God, I pray that we would have the faith of Daniel and that, Lord, I pray that we would have the heart of Daniel that is so tied up with your will and, and, your, and care for the people of God that, Lord, that we, be, that we would... I don't, uh, I don't think Daniel said, I'm going to do a 21-day fast. I think he just went into mourning, Lord, because, I'm just talking to you guys sorry, in front of all these people, because he's, has, he cares about these people. And God, I pray that we would do the same, that we would cry out for our workplaces, that we would cry out for our neighborhoods, that we would cry out for our city and our countries and the nations, God, and that we would seek an understanding for what, like, take time out, God. Give us that desire and that um, ability to just do it, to, Lord, to seek an understanding of what you are doing to seek an understanding of who hearts you're touching, to seek for an understanding of what's taking place in the spiritual realm, Lord, so that we can see breakthrough because, Jesus, you are worthy of the praise of every tribe and language and people and nation. You are worthy of us being living sacrifices so that you can receive the reward of your suffering, Jesus. You deserve it. And God, let us not forget that. You deserve the obedience of the nations, God. You deserve everything that we can give Jesus. Thank you for this morning helping to equip us practically. Let us not leave this place and just kind of go on and do our own thing. But let us be equipped to go do your will, to give you the glory you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take just a few moments. I want to continue to be regular with this. Um, you can just play some music or whatever, but we've been taking some moments at the end to just let's listen to God's voice. And if someone does feel like they, they have something um, to share with the congregation for us, then we're gonna just feel free to come up here and do it. So let's just, you know, si- silence and stillness is weird. It doesn't need to be. We just need to break that, break that out. So Lord, we're listening. Holy Spirit, speak to us.